Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch Podcast. This week, we read Mistborn, The Well of Ascension, chapters 51 and 52, wherein we meet up with Jastes again. Vin and Ellen find out that they have been bamboozled, and the war, the battle for Luthadel, begins in earnest. I am Data, and with me is... Joe. Jamie. And Dak. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sanderlanch is about to begin. Elders, tellers, keepers of the bylaws, treasures of the dirt. Russian string, we swivel and sing, and dig for the annals of the earth. And we try, try, try to keep a little beauty in the world. And yes, we had a little holiday break, Kolos head munching day, as I said. I got to tell you guys about that holiday because I'm sure you have no idea what it is. But what did you three think of these two chapters? Well, there were some great moments in these two chapters. Ellen killing his his uh, old BFF. That's a great moment. Sazed manning up. That was a great moment. But I am really kind of bummed that uh, now Vin's turning around and going back to Luthadel. So great moments, definitely. Uh, and of course, I feel like we're we are really getting rolling with the Sanderlanch. So I'm looking forward to to next week's stuff. Yeah, yeah, things are happening. Yeah, things are definitely happening. I again really enjoyed reading these chapters. I really enjoy the ones where we're getting a lot of different perspectives for sort of short periods of time. It just mm. sort of creates that that oh my god, something's happening, something's happening. <laughs> I yes, yeah, so I really enjoyed getting a few different perspectives and yeah, just, I mean, the, the battle's really, the battle's really underway now with the Colossus and it's just terrifying and yeah, <laughs> awful for so many people. Yeah, a little bit disappointed that we're going back to Luthadel, like we just <laughs> left. So I agree with Joe there, but I sort of, it, it kind of makes sense now that the, the yeah, Say's just pulled somewhere from the map and was like, yep, you got to go north. This is where it's going to be. I yeah. So I'm really interested to know where that's going to go. And the the mist monster as well, trying to kill Ellen. I was like, oh, who who is this mist monster now? Is it a mist monster? Do we have multiple mist monsters? You know, I think I threw out, uh, gosh, very early on in the book that maybe it was the spirit of old Mistborn or something. I thought maybe Kelsia yeah. was trying to communicate with Vin. Could this be? Zane trying to Ooh. kill his brother. Finally meet. I don't know, but I'm really interested to see where it all goes. So, yeah, say, yeah, it probably wouldn't be Kelsey or trying to kill Ellen, but I hadn't even thought of Zane uh, if we're talking about old Mistborn. So yeah, that's mm. I can totally see him doing that because he's a jerk. <laughs> and he's just angry now too. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily blame him because uh, things did not go his way. But <laughs> usually being murdered doesn't really make you happy. Yeah. So. It is kind of sad that you guys have been, like, for half the book, you guys are like, can we just get out of Luthadel? Can we go on this adventure up north? And finally, they're like, okay, we're going to go on our adventure to the Well of Ascension. Oh, no, never mind. We're not doing that. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of pleased that Vin's going to go back and hopefully make it in time to sort of help them because it sounds like they need it. Yeah, it does. I mean, well, yeah, it is sort of disappointing that it's just uh, that they, you know, left only to come back again. It makes sense with 
like Vin's insight that, uh, oh, this is actually where the well is. And so all of a sudden that makes everything make a lot more sense. That's why the fight over this city has been so crucial to this book. Not for any of the politicking reasons, but because of what lies underneath it. That's what. So, yeah, with that revelation, I, I think that was probably my favorite part of the chapter because I'm just like, ah, oh, all the pieces fall into place. This is why Luthadel was built where it is. This is why people are getting poisoned from the drinking well. This is why the Inquisitors, uh, like we assume it's marshes roaming around in here. Yeah, it's, it's all starting to make more sense in my head with that understanding of this is where the well actually is. So, um, and I mean, it makes sense for for Rashek to build his his empire around yeah. near the well it's on the seat of his power yeah so so that's an interesting the... thought do you guys think that that this is where the well always was or i see because my thought was because in the log they talk about going up north so my thought yeah. was they moved the well mm. possibly it was up in the freezing cold mountains we were pretty sure because he needed the pacman to go through the mountains and stuff right but i mean a thousand years you know climate <laughs> can change possibly but i don't know yeah. I mean, there's oh. volcanoes around. Maybe it used to be in the mountains. Mm-hmm. It's changed a lot. Maybe Rushak was an industrialist and he invented like oil <laughs> drilling and he like punctured a new, a, a, new, oh. a new depth into the well. A oh, he's, he's like Mr. Burns slant drilling company. Sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we okay. also don't have the full picture yet. Like we know that they were going up there and we know that Alendi was take it out. But we don't know the end of his story. Like, there's still, we don't actually know what happened there. Right. Or, or where it happened. All we know is where they went up there. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean that what happened at the well happened immediately after Elendi died. Hmm. That's true. That's Perhaps awesome. they found another word wall that Quan had been working <laughs> on. It was like, you're in the wrong place. I must be careful because I'm running out of room to tell you where it actually is. But maybe it's somewhere else. <laughs> Your princess is in another castle. Your well is in another mountain. <laughs> Actually, it's way down south. Haha, uh, I, I, ha, I tricked you. I'm sorry, I had the map upside down, guys. Oh my god, we went the wrong way. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was. I, I don't know. I, I didn't know how much sense it would make to you guys when we get this discovery. Vin's like, wait a second, the well is. That's where it is. I can kind of tell now because thumps are getting softer. Uh, yeah. Because it, it does know seem like kind of odd. It also <laughs> sort of makes sense if the if the mists are getting slowly encircling Luthadel, it's the last place they're covering. The well is the place that contains the power to get rid of the deepness. It makes sense that it will be the last place they cover. So mm. Mm. I don't know. Like there are there are a few things that don't quite line up, like the whole logbook in the mountains. But the, like as soon as I read that, there are a few things like, oh yeah, now that you've said it, I can understand this is how this is happening. Uh, my me. The, the dumb thought I had initially was, oh, those people who got poisoned drinking the water out of the well. It's because they're drinking the mystic water. <laughs> they weren't poisoned. They got superpowers, like in the Hulk. No, wait, Stanley <laughs> did get poisoned in... Never mind. That was a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stupid Norton blood. <laughs> Stupid Norton. But yeah, I kind of... I, I, made an, I mentioned this offhand fun fact a while back that I didn't know if it might tip you guys off to something, but there's... Uh, in one of the annotations, he talks about how... Uh, at least I think it was. Maybe it was like a Q&A he did. Anyway, he, said, he mentions that compasses in the Final Empire do not point t- north. In fact, they point at Luthadel, which uh, was seen during the time of the Lord Ruler as just proof of his divinity. That's why compasses point that way, because he's God. But he's dead now, and that still happens. So uh, yeah, right. Okay, okay. Let's get into these two chapters. And the first, the the first epigraph is actually 
something i think both epigraphs or something we've read before but uh, the, the first one's super short it's like i've made one final gamble he moves the well that'd be impressive <laughs> if alendi could do that or not alendi i mean kwan that, that's who's writing this i know turns out they're just overstating they're calling it a well but it's really just like a bucket yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually a river that he diverted <laughs> well, that would be impressive i like a magical bucket better it's like not a very, it's, it, it's not a nice bucket either it's like the holy grail where it's like this beat-up bucket. I was going to say, like, he could easily divert the river. He talked to the trees and convinced them to make an aqueduct. <laughs> he made friends with the trees. It's the secret tree beard. Uh, okay. Anyway. So we get that the mists, as, as they move northward, the mists are kind of coming earlier and staying later in the day, and Vin is kind of disturbed by this. And this is where she first notes that the thumpings are getting softer, not louder, and it's kind of confusing. And she can feel the mist spirit, and that's when she realizes it's in the tent that she shares with Ellen, and she rushes in there, and it seems to try to stab him with something. Because she blocks it and says a metallic sound rang out in the air. So assuming it's not a complete hallucination, this thing uh, can be real metal, apparently. Mm -hmm. Which does explain how it stabbed Alendi's friend in the logbook, but kind of freaky. And then Ellen wakes up, and he's like, hey, what's up? She's like, uh, no, nothing. Don't, uh, don't worry. Nothing just tried to stab you or anything. It's all good. I'm just paranoid again. Yeah. <laughs> and Spook comes back and he's like, yeah, somebody's following us. And no, it's not a ghost. It's not spirits. <laughs> there are five people and they have a camp. And they have this discussion where Vin talks about like her new outlook, basically, where she's like, I've decided to just do the stuff to to act rather than second guess. It's like, I'm not going to overthink everything anymore. Isn't that nice? I feel that. <laughs> I think that may have been the most annoying part of Vin's uh, arc this whole book. It's just like she's always like, I don't know, Ellen or Zane or and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, just Zane sucks. Why are you thinking about this? I guess it goes to show to just how much Zane was messing with her. Like, I think you mentioned out of the annotations before that he like Sanderson said that Zane was using Alamancy on her all the time. Yeah. So anytime he was around her, she was really just not knowing how to feel. And then we know as well, you know, sort of from Breeze's lessons that, like, they take that away from them. So you remember having this feeling of, you know, overwhelming doubt and insecurity. You're going to hold on to that because you that's what you remember out of that moment. But now he's gone. He's not doing it anymore. She's able to think a bit clearly. And so it's, mm. it's not necessarily so much that she's found Ellen, which, I mean, that that's great. But Zane's out of the picture and she can really just start being herself. Yeah, that's actually probably really good for her. I hadn't thought of that. Poor Vin. She's had some people pulling at her that she didn't even realize. Yep. And Spook has uh, got his tin too strong. He's like squinting just as the sun's coming up. And then she's like, hey, what about you, Spook? How are you doing? He's just like, I don't know. Whatever. And he's like, hey, what What do you think of your nickname anyway? I never asked you. Like, you know, you used to be have this really long name. And now you're just Spook. And he's like, well, Kelsier gave me my nickname. Okay. And then he whines some more about how he's just spook and he can't do anything cool. And we get, we actually get later in this chapter an idea of why he's so down on himself and why here he's just like, I'm just spook, weak, a coward. And it's not just spook being spook and whiny. He's got kind of a reason. Yeah. I actually, um, I've probably written like eight or nine lines of the spook rap, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's hard because I'm trying to put his street slang into different lines and it's like, how do I rhyme? the word because i think of like a line i want to say that would rhyme but that's not the order that the words go in <laughs> so then i have to think of how to make it rhyme with street slang it is tough it's a whole thing 
and I hate it. <laughs> and I hate it. She's like, I hate it. I, I hate myself for doing it, but I'm going to do it. Exercise and masochism. Yeah. Uh, and then I, w- I want to touch on a piece of the uh, annotations here where he says, as the book progresses, we've seen more and more that it's divided into two separate plots. There's the defense of L- Luthadel, and then there's the search for the Well of Ascension. Maybe now you can see why I decided to retreat from talking about the Well too much at the beginning and instead focused on the politics. If I'd focused too much on the Well early on, I feel that readers would have been frustrated to be strung along, since information about the well really doesn't start to come out until the latter part of the novel. This book is about the well, but it's also about Luthadel and the politics. And though the book is named after the well, I feel like the siege of Luthadel is actually the primary story. So yes, I think we got that impression. Wow, I feel oddly targeted by the fact. It's like, yeah, the book's called The Well of Ascension. It's like, yeah, how many times have we said that? (laughs) He's like, yeah, it's called that. But really, I mean, it could have been called The Siege of Luthadel. And you're like, dang it, we've been depending on that title this whole time. (laughs) Yeah, he definitely should have called it the Siege of Luthadel. And then we move to Sazed, who uh, he's standing out here on the walls and they're looking and they, the Koloss are fighting, they say. A giant brawl, not just like the normal killing each other that they do. And Sazed is like, hey, maybe that's good for us. And Club's like, no, you're, you're, you're dumb. The Koloss apparently have two emotions, boredom and rage, which I think we kind of picked up on. Yep, definitely got that impression. <laughs> And Tindwell is like, uh, did, did this guy not read anything before the Koloss attacked? This is how they start their battles. They fight among themselves, getting angrier and angrier until, and then they start charging. It's like, guys, there are better ways to psych yourselves up. <laughs> like, how many of them did they kill to get psyched up for this fight? <laughs> Although that's really intimidating at the same time, is watching all these guys like kill each other before they turn to fight you. It's like, okay, now that's, that's terrifying. And then we cut to Straff's perspective again. And he's not feeling real great. It says he needed some stimulants to stay in the saddle. So he's not completely recovered yet. But this guy's like, hey, they're attacking Luthadel, just like you said. You knew this would happen, didn't you? And Straff's like, yep, you know me. Uh, strategic genius Straff. Exactly Straff Brannigan. <laughs> so is Zane Kiff in that uh, comparison? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I can kind of see it. Now I want an episode where Kiff is trying to poison Straff the, or uh, the zap i can't talk we've we've made this comparison before have we okay i, I believe we have yeah yes. i 100 <laughs> sure. believe that we would have done that <laughs> he's like that then, it's real <laughs> oh, gosh. i could also see him saying it's real <laughs> oh gosh no okay it's too much too much strap and zap Man, it's really a short strap perspective so we're definitely getting into that section like uh, like jamie was mentioning where it's like a little bit here, a little bit there. We're hopping back and forth to get that sense of energy. Chaos of the battle. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the arrows don't do anything, Sazed notes. And then she's like, we're, he sees all this stuff happening and no one is ready for this. He's like, we're not ready. Even after months, we knew every, everything and we're still not ready, which is a distressing thing to realize uh, as the battle is beginning. And so the men are throwing rocks down at the Coloss and the Coloss are throwing rocks back up. And then they're taking people from Sazed's gate to reinforce the other gates. They started with a thousand people and they're like, hey, we need 600 of you to come to this other gate. And so he's like, oh, crap, because he's supposed to be in charge here. Kind of. Technically, uh, the new king has put this young commander in charge, but he's even less good at this than Sazed. And then there's kind of a badass scene where Vin like just jumps into the middle of the camp and like in one moment disables everybody. Yeah, she's really getting into the whole pewter dust thing. Right. <laughs> Go with what works, I guess. It's almost like she's firebending. I mean, if it- if it ain't broke. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. She she 
the people who are still in the tents get tied up by the tent stakes. And that's when Jastis pops out. And Ellen's like, dude, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, well, I saw you were running. So I thought yeah, that was a good idea. And we'll just go with you and we can hide maybe. And uh, I was like, wait, wait, no, no. Oh, Where are the Colossus Jastis? Did you send them away? Well, no, I tried. And then we find out what that big fire was a couple chapters back that they're like, huh, what's in the Colossus camp that could burn that much? There's like a really giant plume of smoke. Uh, something, a uh, fire in the carts that were carrying all the wooden coins. So all of his money that he was going to pay the Colossus with burned up. Yep, no, no wonder they're pissed. That's a shame. I too so, would be probably very angry if uh, like the bank that stored all my money went up in smoke. No, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, I but guess, at least they got insurance. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, I guess I hadn't really thought about it, but it's like in in the Final Empire, money's not really flammable because they use two kinds of coins basically. But most of our money is pretty flammable, so the wood coins are not all that much, all that different in that what can happen to them. Yeah. And Jastis is like, no, you don't understand. They would have killed me. They're they're beasts that only barely have the shape of men. I couldn't control them. I'm sorry. And uh, Ellen is not happy. And he gives this speech about how you led monsters on this tyrannical assault and then abandoned them without leadership or in, at the most populated place in the final empire. And Jastis says, forgive me. And he says, I forgive you and chops his head off and finishes with, but my kingdom cannot. So, yeah, that's pretty badass moment. That's huge. I had to read that twice. I'm like, what? <laughs> Chopped his head off? Ellen? The same Ellen we've been reading about? Mm. It's a very, I, I feel think. like it's a, very, it's a very kingly moment for him, finally. Oh, absolutely. Maybe okay. I've read a bit too much A Song of Ice and Fire, but I was also impressed he did it, he did it in one stroke. Right. It's not as easy as, as people think. No. Yeah. Well, that blade's pretty sharp. He hasn't really used it. That's yeah, probably true, true too. so i want to touch back in the annotations here because he's got some interesting stuff to say about this he says and here we have the scene where ellen kills jastes this more than anything else is a sign to ellen of the way the world the real world works this chapter is a sign of innocence lost and a measure of the price of idealism he will never be the same man after this some of my alpha readers rebelled against this scene but unlike the scene where kelsier used Demu to kill a man in book one i did not cut this one this event says too much about what has happened to Ellen, and it means too much to his character. However, I did rearrange things a little. In the original draft, Ellen struck and killed Jastes and then explained why he did it. In this version, he outlines Jastes' sins first and then takes his head off. Yeah, that works better. It's like he's pronouncing sentence. Yeah, I agree. It, it seems to flow better to me that way, although I never saw it the other way. Oh, it just seems like if he, would, if he said it afterwards, it's kind of just like a, he kills him and then says, oh, oh, I had to do it because this. Like, yeah, it's like yeah, it makes Yeah. yeah. Trying to justify it after the fact does not seem as kind of strong. I, I get what you mean. Yeah. Even Vin it seems like, more like something Whoa? a king would do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and all Jasty's soldiers start to draw their weapons. And he's just like, what, do you think that this was wrong? They're like, no. And he's like, bury him. And once you're through, you can come with us if you want, or you can go home. I don't care. It's very, uh, it's very noble and badass, this whole scene. I kind of like uh, seeing Ellen a little bit hard for once. I say a little bit, yeah. as if he didn't just execute a dude. That's more than a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> you love hard dudes. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Wow. Yeah, just moving on, moving on. And even after the fact, like he's, he's talking to me, and he's like, I don't know why I did that, really. I'm not even king, but it just felt like it needed to be done. Yeah, it's definitely just a sign of character growth. And it's like, as 
as cool a moment as it is, I, I think his alpha readers have probably got some accuracy here. It's like, this is a sign of rather grim things to come. Yeah, it doesn't bespeak happy things coming in the future if Ellen is having to become like this hard person, does it? Yeah. But, you know, if anyone deserved it, aside from Straff, it was probably Jesty's. <laughs> it's true. Straff deserves it more. Although, to be fair, Straff didn't have a giant army of monsters that would probably kill everyone in the city without caring about it. So maybe maybe Jesty's deserves it more. I don't know. Yeah, he was more maybe. naive. Straff is a giant monster. Mm, yeah. Jasty's was playing with fire and thinking he could control it. Straff is here, like, very intentionally to be cruel. Yeah, true. I guess Jasty's also just refused to accept responsibility for his actions, so... Yeah, that's true. Whereas, whereas Straff would probably be just like, yep, meant to do it, don't care. <laughs> yeah, even when it was Zane's idea, he's like, yeah, no, that was me. I'm, uh, I'm, that, I'm that good. And so they start to talk about how they left Luthadel, and they're like, oh crap, now the Coloss are going to attack, and we thought that they everything would be okay for a while. And Spook reveals that he has known the entire trip the truth about what was going to happen. Not that Jastis was going to follow them, obviously, but that the Coloss were going to attack, and that Straff was going to pull back and let them, because Clubs told him. and. Ellen's like, and you didn't tell me. Spook's like, but you would have wanted to go back, and I don't want to die. I'm sorry. Which, I mean, he's a 16-year-old kid. I get it. It's so, Yeah. I, I guess we sort of forget how young he actually is. Yeah. And, I mean, he doesn't want to die, but he was also tasked with getting Ellen and Vin out. Yeah. So he was doing sort of what was asked of him. Um, and I can't, can't feel very good knowing that you're leaving everyone you care about to probably die. Yeah, it's basically early onset survivor's guilt. Yeah, really. And he, I mean, we find out that he also was told that because he was supposed to tell them when they got there so they didn't climb up into the mountains and kill themselves for something that wasn't actually there. So that makes a sense why, like, clubs would want somebody to be able to tell them that. And in the annotations he mentions, he's like, so yeah, Spook knew, considering how long it took Vin to get over the fact that Orsur knew about Kelsier's plan to die, you can imagine that she's not going to soon forgive Spook for this one. Especially if their friends die. Yeah, serious. I like Spook sees Ellen stepping up angrily at him and like looks down at the sword and Ellen's like, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just ashamed of you, which ouch. That, that I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but that lets Vin figure out. She's like, wait a second. He lied. I can feel the well and it's not north. It's back in Luthadel. And Ellen's like, that's insane. We, we would have found it. And she's like, well, we didn't. I don't know what to tell you. We didn't dig deep enough. We did not awaken the Balrogs. <laughs> and so they're going to go back. And Spook's like, but they're all dead. Like, going back is not going to do anything. But Ellen and Vin are not hearing this. They're like, okay, Vin, you go. You can make it a lot faster and we'll follow you. And her last words to Ellen are that she doesn't want him to uh, sleep at night when the mists are out. Travel at night if you can and look out for the mist spirit. Because I think it may mean you harm. Yeah, we, we noticed. Yeah, but he didn't. Probably would have carried so probably would have carried more weight if she'd actually told him what had happened earlier. Yeah, although he's been kind of doubtful about all of her misspirit visions that I, a little bit, I think. So he might not have bought it. She might have just sounded True. crazy. Yeah, but he's trusted her for stuff that he just doesn't understand at all quite a bit. So like she, this little impassioned place, like, look, I think it does mean to hurt you. He's like, Ugh, look, I don't know if I believe you, but you, I've, you know, I've been wrong before. and You've been right about a lot of stuff. So maybe I'll just err on the side of caution. Yeah, he should. He's kind of doubtful. He's like, well, okay, I trust Vin. That's all that we need to know. And she runs off with Pewter. I don't know. We find out in the next uh, chapter that her Pewter does not get her all the way there. But I don't know. Did you guys think she's like, oh, there's going to be a Pewter drag like last time and she'll run up to the city, save the day? 
Yeah, I really didn't know. I I was trying to wrap my brain around was were the events that we were seeing with Vin happening at the same time as the events in the city, and so I couldn't really wrap my brain around if they were happening simultaneously and whether or not she would be able to make it in time or not. Mm, I believe they are, and it, it seems a little bit weird until you remember that like Straff was asleep for three or four days or something, and he passed out when they escaped the city because the guy came and told him like, hey, somebody's escaping the city just as he passed out. And so his army just sat around for like three or four days before he was like, woke up and was like, okay, we're going to pull back from the city and let them attack. So I think that accounts for the difference in time. Like they've been journeying these three or four days northward. And then we cut to Breeze in the next chapter. Oh, the, once again, the epigraph is something we've read where he's just like, my pleas, my teachings, my objections, and even my treasons were all ineffectual. Alendi has other counselors now, ones who tell him what he wants to hear. Yeah. And in the annotations, he mentions, uh, and you've, probably already seen it in these couple chapters that during this battle he's tending to focus not on the trained warriors during the siege of luthadel but inside people like breeze and sazed the least experienced people with war and killing in the crew and that's intentional because he wants to give the sense that luthadel is a place unprepared for war even its soldiers aren't really fighters because there hasn't been much war in the final empire and most of the veterans who do exist are in the employ of people like straff and set it's like Sage was saying in the last chapter, they've had a tyrannical peace, but a peace nonetheless. Yep. And he explains why he's like, you know, it heightens the tension and the tragedy that you feel uh, with all the horrors on the battlefield. But also the opposite has been done quite well a lot, whether in a David Gemmel book or in Lord of the Rings, you've seen brave warriors defend a city. Now watch a politician and a scholar try to do it. Which, yeah, OK. And so Breeze is soothing people to try to keep them calm, to take away their fear and anxiety, the desire to run, but he has to do it in like groups, like a couple hundred people here, a couple hundred people there. He's got other soothers spread out through the crowd, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he has his other people here, but nobody's as good as him. No, he yeah. notes repeatedly. <laughs> and he, he's having odd thoughts to himself. It's like the suit will be ruined by your blood, Breeze, because he's <laughs> annoyed that the ash is sticking to his suit. He thinks about how Alrian and Vin and Ellen are safe, and that's good. And then Clubs comes to talk to him, and neither of them is uh, feeling great about this fight. And Clubs is like, hey, can you suit those Coloss, maybe make them less ferocious? And he's like, no, tried that. And we get some Clubs backstory that he fought for the Lord Ruler for the better part of 20 years when he was younger, fighting rebellions and the distant dominances, warring against nomads and the barons, stuff the Lord Ruler didn't let people hear about, really. I was going to say, like, there's there's some interesting little tidbits in there about the backstory of this world we haven't picked up on before. It's like it wasn't a fully unified empire like it's previously seemed to be. Yep. Like, there's been a lot of shit going on in the background, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. And uh, says to Sl- or, or rather, Breeze is like, oh, and, you know, were, did you win? And Club's like, oh, yeah, always. Breeze's like, oh, good. Club's like, oh, of course, we were the ones with the Coloss on our side. Damn hard to kill those beasts. <laughs> Just, oh, thanks, Clubs. You're, you're the best. So cheery. And then Vin, we cut back to Vin, and she's running and running and imagining all her friends dying, they let me abandon them. They forced me to abandon them, and she's pissed off about that. How dare they? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty, That's you know, that's how we, we knew she'd feel that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She notes that, like, look, I'm glad you sent Ellen away, but yeah. how dare you do that to me? <laughs> she's like, I love you for that, but I'm very angry at you for this other thing. <laughs> yeah. As though, you know they could possibly get rid of Ellen without also getting rid of Vin. Like, right. Ellen would never have left. Like, in the last book, he wandered into an Inquisitor fight looking for her. 
Yeah, he did that thing. That was not his brightest move. Nope. And uh, that's, yeah, we just have a scene of Vin running and being angry, and then we cut back to Breeze and Clubs again. And Breeze is, once again, I feel like this is like the third or fourth time in this book he's been lamenting. It's like, we're like thieves and stuff. Why are we doing, like, these noble, idealistic crap? And Clubs is like, well, I guess we're just idiots. I kind of like how these two have become buddies. Considering yeah, in the first book, Clubs, Clubs really didn't seem to like Breeze at all. No. Yeah, and he mentions in that earlier scene, he's like, yeah, you know, can't trust soothers that kind of person. He's like, you're not as bad yeah. as most of them. Which I feel like is wrong because Breeze is like constantly manipulating people and we know it, but that's Clubs' excuse for why he can be friends. Clubs just looks for an excuse to be pissed at people. We saw it with Sazed earlier. <laughs> that's true. Clubs. Uh, you, what a guy. And then, of course, <laughs> at, at the end of their conversation, the gates burst open. So that's bad. The messenger comes to see uh, Sazed and says, Master Terrasman, the eastern gate has been breached. And uh, he's like, is there anything you want me to take tell Lord Doxon? And he's like, yeah, the best men have already been stolen from here, and I don't have much confidence in our leader. I think Doxon should send someone else to be in charge. And the guy's like, well, yeah, that's why you're here, right? And says so like, yeah, but also I'm not confident in me. So, yeah, that sounds like Sazed. And then he has to give a little pep talk to the nobleman who's leading the, the group. He's like, you're accustomed to giving orders. Give them. And the guy's like, what orders? And he's like, it doesn't matter. Just let them see you being in charge. And then we see a group of civilians, Ska in ash-stained clothing. And Sace is like, what are they doing here? They should be hiding. And he goes to talk to these people. And it's like, no, you guys need to leave. The Coloss are going to get in. And you don't want to be standing here when that happens. And the guy says, we're not here to die, Holy First Witness. We're here to watch the Coloss fall. <laughs> and uh, they say that Vin is going to show up and save them. And not only that, but they've given Says the title of Holy First Witness because he brought the news of the Lord Ruler's death. He gave Vin the spear that she used to kill him and witnessed her actions. So if she's going to show up, she's going to show up near you. And all of a sudden, Says has... Holy First Witness is a bit of a mouthful. I was thinking the same thing. Holy First Witness, Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Even just Holy Witness or something maybe would have been made more sense. Yeah. They've left room for expansion in case there are other witnesses. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. T- Tin will be, will be the second witness and she will hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sace is already feeling uh, the discomfort of suddenly he's the one who's the religious figure. And he's like, no, 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 no. That's not. That's no. The tides have turned. He's always like, oh, well, you know, if, if it's a religion, I got to keep notes of it. Right. So I know you're not comfortable, Vin, being this religious figure, but, you know, that it is what it is. And now it's his turn a little bit. I didn't mean me. <laughs> and he, he's, he's like, you shouldn't look at me like that. And the old man's like smiles and was like, the lady heir says the same thing. And that's when the Koloss start coming over the wall. They are uh, there enough corpses have piled up outside that they can jump up to the top of the wall from there. So, yeah, that's good. It's terrifying. <laughs> yep. Corpse is always good. <laughs> And so uh, he taps his pewter and he gets in on the fight. He gets all big and bulky Hulk style and pushes his way through the soldiers and like punches a Koloth right in the face. And it's like his lack of skill didn't matter. The creature's face folded around his fist, its skull cracking. He bellows fight. And startlingly, they did. Yeah, that made me think of Mortal Kombat. It's like fight. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like if someone had just totally hulked out in front of me and then was, like, telling me to fight, I'd probably just do what he said. He's just <laughs> punched a Colossus in the head and broken his skull. 
It's like, you know what? Yeah, all right, we'll give it a go. Really, I think knowing yeah, that you have the Hulk on your side is probably a, a good morale boost. True. Yeah, but that's that's yeah. there. There might be a couple of people in the crowd. He goes fight, and they go, Nah, man, you got this. <laughs> Clearly, you're doing really well. We'll we'll just be in the way. Go ahead. Yeah. So Sazed is wading into battle, which uh, last guy I would have expected to probably, but we know that when he taps his metal, he can uh, be a badass. We saw a little bit of that in the last book, not much. And then we cut back to Vin, who is running out of pewter, or has run out of pewter, and is not feeling good about it. And she spots a village, and goes, uh, kind of goes in there, and she hears children laughing and men speaking with gusto, it says, and smells the beginnings of the evening meal. Some scar that are actually doing okay. Yeah, right. And uh, she goes and meets these people who were kind of happy. And he says in the annotations that this scene was very important to the scene uh, to the series as a whole. The people in the ska hovel are just what Vin needed to see. We didn't get to experience a lot of it, but the run for Vin was very draining. It's not easy to pewter drag. It wears out your it wears you out, body and mind. The ska people laughing, however, recharges her, gives her validation for all the work that Ellen has been doing. It's working for these people at least. The struggle is worth fighting. And says the series is best when it's all read together and you can kind of look at this scene and compare it to seeing how the Ska lived in the hovels when Kelsier visited them in the first book, and also remember the pewter drag and the spikeway stuff from the first book. Mm, reading it all together quickly, I wonder what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> the world may never know. But yeah, she she makes the, com- not a direct comparison maybe, but kind of a comparison herself where she's just like, people laughing, this is not what things used to be like for the Ska. And now, like, not only are they laughing and happy, when they see her, they're not, like, scared of a visitor. They're like, oh, you poor thing, come in. Is it nighttime at the moment, or is this daytime? Uh, that is a good question. Let's see if it's... Uh, I think I think it says it's late afternoon, like, getting into the evening. Yeah, she says okay. they're, so they're, like, they're preparing the evening meal. Yeah, that's how I was going to say, the evening meal. Oh, uh, yep, there it is. So, yeah, just a case of, it's it's before dark, so they're not going to be worried that she's a misspirit knocking at the door or something. Hmm. Like, it could have been a very different scene if she'd rocked up after dark. Yeah, and I, I was just wondering, I mean, we know that the mist have been coming earlier, so I was like, are the mists here? Do we get a mention of that? Because to your point, exactly, that might be very different for her in that situation. Hmm. But she wants some pewter, and they don't have a lot of pewter. They're like, we might have some, or that they had some goblets, that's what he says, some goblets that uh, Master Kled has in the other hovel. And she's just like, what am I thinking? It, even if they were the right alloy... It would take forever to, like, shave the pewter off of these goblets and try to use that to run. And she remembers the spike way from the first book that they used to use to get back and forth from Luthadel to Felice and has an idea. And she's like, I need some horseshoes, a bunch of horseshoes. And the guy's like, yeah, they're getting rusty anyway. Here you go. And uh, she tells him, it's like, look, things are bad around here. Luthadel may already have fallen. If you get word that it has, you need to go north and get away from the giant Coloss army that's going to slaughter everyone. They're like, who are you? She's like, nobody. And then he says, you're her, aren't you? And it's like, she didn't need to ask what he meant. She just says yes, and then goes. She is a legend and still not terribly comfortable with it, but what are you going to do? Well, it's and like she's she, not second-guessing it anymore. She's like, people are going to say it. It's like, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe you're right. Maybe it's part of her whole new philosophy on, I'm not going to second-guess. I'm not going to, you know, question everything all the time. I'm just going to go for it. 
And she has this idea to use the shoes like a spikeway where she pushes off of one and then shoots another one forward and pushes off of that one and pulls the one behind her to pull, shoot forward again. And I don't know. What do you guys think of this? It seems kind of crazy. I thought this was yeah, cool. It was really clever. Yeah, I did too. I honestly, and I think she makes this comparison. It reminds me of Kelsier using pushing and pulling throughout the entire first book and then especially in his fight with the Inquisitor. Like mm. she's just learning to kind of master how to manipulate uh, metal with push and pull, like, perfectly. Yeah. And you're right. Towards the end of the chapter, she's like, she gets so many horseshoes going that she says it's like a flurry of metal in motion, the way that Kelsier had been when he fought the Inquisitor at the end. Except her metal wasn't meant to kill, but save. And he says in the annotations, readers have really liked the horseshoe trick. I would point out, however, that not anyone, not even any Mistborn, could figure this out as quickly and as well as Vin did. Kelsier trained her well in the pushing and pulling of metals. That was his specialty. I actually appreciated that they, they'd said, you know, it took her some time. Like, I think they only said it was like an hour. But I was like, I, I liked that she just didn't get it straight away. Like, there's still stuff she's got to learn. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's good that Kelsey was a good teacher and she she had the sense to sort of be able to figure it out. But I'm, I'm sort of still glad it took her a bit of time. Yeah, it's definitely not instant. Although, I mean, she says it's not that different from, like, jumping with coins. It's just, like, a matter of timing. But it takes time to get the right timing down, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Get the balance right, right angles. And even then, she starts off with, you know, just like a couple one, and then she throws in a third one, and as she gets better and better, she adds more. And the more that she adds, the faster she can go. So that's kind of cool. Hmm. She's learning to juggle. Yeah, it kind of does too, yeah. In fact, it says that uh, she pushed, pulled, pushed, blah, blah, juggling herself through the air. Yeah. It's like we're playing The Floor is Lava. <laughs> And that is the end of the second chapter, that she's like, I'm not going to give up halfway. I might not arrive in time, but I'm going to try. So, yeah, that's our two chapters. We got through that really fast this time, actually. Mm, very fast. Yeah, I feel like it's probably just because there's a lot of events that take place. But <clears throat> but like we said, because it's a lot of things happening all at once and a lot of action going back and forth between people, it probably felt a lot smaller than it was. Yeah, makes sense. Next time is going to be, I think we, we may end up going longer next time because it is four whole chapters uh, that Ooh. we're doing and while the actual the amount of text isn't that much more than these two chapters it's still uh, a lot of stuff going, a lot going down i mean we just started the battle you know that there's gonna be a lot of stuff happening okay so got through that let me see so i guess i'll just mention it now since i already started for next time we are going to be reading chapters 53 54 55 and 56 that's what comes after 55 in case you didn't know and uh, that will be yeah, four chapters next time. And then after that is just three chapters and the epilogue. So we are right up against the end of this book. It's a very exciting time. But in the meantime, it is time for predigments. Uh, who wants to go? We'll let Jamie go first. Okay. So I think that Vin will make it back to Luthadel while the battle is still happening. I don't think she's going to be as late as she thinks she's going to be, given that we've sort of decided it's happening simultaneously. So I think, I don't know that she'll be able to save everybody, but I think she'll be able to save some people. Okay. By the time Ellen and Spook get back, probably will be all over by that point. Yeah, I think that's what I'm thinking about that. I don't know how Straff is going to fit back in. I know they're turning around to go back, but I'm not quite sure. I, I mean, I don't... <sighs> I like to think that it probably won't work out for Strath, but, <laughs> you know, stranger things have happened. I have been thinking a little bit about 
who is the hero of ages. Vin seems very confident that it is her, and I just think it's a little bit too it's a bit too neat, it's a bit too obvious. Mm. And I was thinking about the earlier in this book, Quan gave us a whole bunch of different ways that Alendi fit the the prophecy, which mm. without actually reading the prophecy, we don't really know. It's sort of him summarizing it. But I have sort of come to the conclusion I actually think the hero of ages is Sazed, not Finn. Oh, interesting. Why? I think so. I'm just going to go through some of their the epigraphs. Mm-hmm. It's like my book report again, but oh, maybe okay, probably yeah. not as accurate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he was born of a humble family, yet married the daughter of a king. At first, I was like, well, it can't be Sazed. He's not married. Blah 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 yeah, blah. That's true. And then he was sort of it, he Tindwell of sort of put something together and I was like, oh, maybe Tindwell's got some royal terrorist blood or something. And then I thought about it and I was like, no, married. He just married Ellen and Vin. Oh. Vin, mm. we've we've talked before about are we really sure her dad was the obligator? It's true. But what if we're looking at it too? She's also Lady Heir. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're not talking about necessarily a father, but she's like she's an heir to what Kelsey has left behind. So I was trying to think about it I guess a little bit more abstractly rather than it just being, yep, you just fit. Because this sounds like too, it would be a a man marrying the daughter of a king, not saying that a a woman could not marry (laughs) in this world. But when it was written, sorry, when the prophecy was written, they're probably going, oh, yeah, it's a guy. The guy has to be the hero. So, yeah, maybe, yeah, I kind of like to say, like, you know, say he's actually married them. You know, it's not saying they got married to a person, but he did marriage. Play on words um, kind of thing. I got you. I, don't ooh, think I like that. Yeah. That's cool. That's good. Yeah. Um, he could train, trade words with the finest philosophers, had an impressive memory, which says fits. The terrorists yep. rejected him, but he came to lead them, which he probably will. He commanded kings. He sought no empire. He fathered no children, yet all the land became his progeny. Forced into war by a misunderstanding. I was like, ah, he's, he's, he's sent in to lead this little section of the army, and he didn't even know. I was like there's a misunderstanding. Um, he claimed he was no. <laughs> he claimed there was no. War- he was no warrior, but he came to fight as well as any man. It's like oh, now he's hulked out and he's fighting in the war as well. So it's true. Yeah, I. That's kind of my line of thinking at the moment. I could be way off base. It may yeah. be something we don't even know until the end of the next book. But that is where I'm thinking. But I, I don't think Vin is the hero. I like. I. I it, it makes sense to 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 feel like. Maybe Vin being the hero was too obvious because Sazed and Vin are both kind of leaning that way at this point. We're like, so you're like, well, if they think that, then it's got to be wrong, right? That's kind of like a knee jerk yeah. reaction. But I like all this thought that has gone into this possibility here. Yeah, I'm a yeah. thinker. <laughs> Jamie, I think you've done it again. I think you've done it again. Because <laughs> we'll all see. that stuff sounds so right. Thanks. Hopefully. We'll see. We'll see how we go. Yeah, like you said, it might not even be until the end of the next book when we find that out. So uh, if you're right or wrong, we'll see. see. But it's not to say that Vin doesn't have an important role in this. She obviously does. And she can hear, you know, the the drumming of the the well and all that sort of stuff. So that's true. She's the one who hears that. She definitely has an important role in this. I just don't think that she's the one. Now that makes me think of what was it? What was that Quan said? Like he's like, he had a role in the. Uh, in the prophecy also and that's why he was hesitant to uh like yeah. denounce alendi so what was what did it say his role was anybody remember that? the announcer the announcer yeah 
So now you're like, Vin has a role in there probably. Now I want Vin to be the <laughs> announcer and she's going to announce Sazed in some way. That'd be awesome. Yeah, possibly. Although, okay. flip side, Sazed could be the announcer to Vin's hero. That's true. As first witness, he's sort of been declared. So, I mean, you could look at it the other way too. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's an alternative spanner for that one. Um, a lot of what you said could also apply to Elland. Mm, yeah. True. Like, like uh, you know, he married the daughter of a king using your logic, the you know, heir of Kelsia. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been for- he's been forced into conflict against his will through he he made a speech and got made king and then he had to try and manage a city which was a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yep. But he had to kill his so. friend just now, so he's getting into fighting against his will or whatever. Well, it's Absolutely. like combat doesn't necessarily have to have to be fighting. It can be politicking as well because that's just mm. another form of fighting. So that's a good point. Yeah. I'm I'm still pushing for how all of these are going to apply to Spook. Well, I thought about that too, and when he started being really interested in Orian, I was like, oh, no, Spook's the hero. <laughs> Spook and Orian. Uh, Breeze would be really mad about that. Yes. But, I mean, look, it could go anyway. We'll see what happens. Well, what if it's Breeze, and Breeze is going to marry Orian, the daughter of a king? And... I thought about him. <laughs> <laughs> see, there's just so many he good possibilities. My... Okay. He was my first one. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> Breeze. <laughs> Oh, no, the hero is drunk. Yeah, he would be, too. That's, yep. Yeah. Okay. I think we've still got a bit to learn about... I need a drink. <laughs> I think we still have a bit to learn about the prophecy itself before we can fully find out who, who fits it, but... Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> if only, well, if only Quan would get to the bloody point. Oh, God. He's running out of room on his word wall. Oh, but when you see... Anyway, the... <laughs> okay. When you see the very first line of the next book, then uh, it, it may uh, interest you guys uh, toward this discussion. But anyway, we're we're oh. almost there. Not quite there, but almost there. Let's say Joe can go second. What do you got? So I, I, I want to say that the well was moved because it really doesn't make sense to me for them to say, hey, the well's up in Terrace, blah, 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 blah. And then it ends up being Luthadel and somehow Luthadel's not Clenium. It's the original Terrace. Like, I don't. I don't know if I buy that. I mean, it could be possible, mm, but, yeah. but so I guess like if the well is in Luthadel, then it was my guess is that it was moved there, maybe by the Lord Ruler somehow. Because it's a bucket, right? Yeah. Bucket, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a bucket. <laughs> but anyway, so that that I'm not sure on. I mean, it's I guess it's there, the thumping or whatever. What what I'm trying to tie together. Because I really like Jamie's theory, and I and I, I feel like there's a lot of merit to it, so I'm like I'm kind of riding that train now. So if that's the case, then why did Alendi feel the thumping, and why can Vin feel the thumping? What is it about the thumping that they could feel? Because Says doesn't feel thumping, you yeah, know. Right. And um, so what is it about the thumping? Mm. So why can she feel the thumping? Why could Alendi? Was Alendi supposed to be the original announcer for some person? You know, so I'm trying to figure out how those tie together, but it would make sense if if the prophecy is you know true. It would make sense that it is actually a terrorist person instead of a instead of a uh, normie, I guess you call him. Mm. Um, so I'm really hoping that my immediate predictions. What I'm hoping is that Vin gets gets there uh, before the battle's over. But yes, maybe we lose maybe we lose one of the gang, maybe clubs or something. Maybe like clubs died protecting Breeze, and Breeze is like really broken up about it or something. What would be really cool if Vin shows up and says just like we did it, and you know they're like how'd you do it? And he was like I got all pumped up, you know, like <laughs> it was. <laughs> so uh, 
so I, I'd be I'd be cool with either one. But yeah, I mean, if the well is in Luthadel, which I guess it is, based on what we read today, it's just like, uh, are we gonna spend like, are all three books gonna be in Luthadel? Is that really where we're gonna be the whole time? Uh, my other thing is, um, we've had these bad premonitions about Marsh, and we haven't seen Marsh in forever. And I'm assuming he is the the Inquisitor that came to town. I think he's looking for the well. Okay. I think I think there's something wrong with Marsh. Maybe he's been taken over by some force, or maybe it's just the act of becoming an Inquisitor makes you, you know, eventually slowly turns you evil, like we juxtaposed in the last um, book. But I think he's looking for the well, and he wants the power. Okay. We did theorize earlier that, like, all the Inquisitors had gone off and were hanging out at the well. Right. And now we found out that the well is in Luthadel, probably, so it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, so I don't know what those other Inquisitors are doing. Maybe they read the prophecy wrong, and they think it's up in Terrace, <laughs> and that's why they're hanging out up there. I don't know. But I think Marsh like is sh- looking for the well. It's like a story of the, of the Inquisitors yeah. just, like, riding around the mountains having a grand old time. It's like, guys, yeah. I don't think it's here. Shut up, car! Yeah. I think Marsh... Uh, I think Marsh is, is gone bad, and I think he's looking for the well to get the power. And honestly, and Dak talked about this a lot in the first book, Maybe Marsh is going to be the ultimate evil in the book. You know, it would be kind of an interesting twist if the brother of the man that like tried to save and prevent all of these bad things from continuing to happen ended up being the person that ultimately they have to protect the world against. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he hated he hated the Inquisitors and the Obligators. Yep. And if the Lord Ruler really was keeping the deepness down, would it be his ultimate goal to be the thing that they were scared of or that they were trying to destroy? So, mm. oh, um, that's a good one. Yeah. So I, yeah, that's that's those are my predictions. Hmm. Now, see, I've got one thing that occurred to me while you were talking about it that kind of argues against some of the possibilities is that we've been told by Quan and I think yeah in the original logbook by Elendi that the the prophecy or whatever says that the hero won't be a terrorist person, which is Alendi was like, yeah, this guy really hates me because he thinks one of his people should be the hero, but he doesn't understand that his own like prophecies say that it won't be that person. And that's also part of Say's like reasoning mm-hmm. for why he thinks it's Vin is because it says this. Yeah. How right. Juan has pointed out that they're telling him what he wants to hear. So they might've yep. just thrown that in to make him feel better right. about himself. Well, and yeah, I was going to say, sorry, go ahead. Well, that and, I mean, not officially, but it seems like kind of unofficially, Says has kind of been thrown out of the terrorist people. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong. Yeah, he's kind of the outcast. And they've they've turned their backs on him, which is, which is specifically part of the prophecy. Well, and what I was gonna say is that we've from Quan, he's been telling us he's like, there's something wrong with the prophecies. He doesn't. He he thinks that there's there's something going on there that it doesn't say. He says that like what they're saying now is not what it, it used to say or something like that. Mm, like they, so, somebody messed with it. Yeah, he he thinks that somebody has messed with the prophecies. So that could be an argument in the other direction that's like maybe that wasn't even part of the prophecy originally, and someone has manipulated these people to think some you know. So th- that kind of a couple arguments that could cut either way. But that's what occurred to me while we were ta- while you were talking about it. Okay, uh, Dak, what do you got? So as far as immediate upcoming goes, uh, I think that, yeah, I, I, I still am leaning on the ham and clubs. Oh, sorry, no, Breeze and clubs probably aren't going to make it out of this book alive. Um, okay. I, get the feel, I get the feeling Vin's arrival on the battlefield will be like Return of the King style. She'll be Aragorn coming with the 
Ghosts of the Dead. It's like the battle will be going on for quite a bit and there's ups and downs throughout it. And then she comes in at the end. Doesn't The battle's not over when she gets there, but she definitely accelerates it. So I feel like that's going to be the case. I don't think the conflict... I think Straff is going to enter the conflict and the city is going to allow him inside like as he intends. I think the final confrontation might be with him at the well itself. I think he... Because he's going to be afraid of Vin... And maybe he'll hear something about how, you know, there might be something in the city that will allow him to get power over her. So he might go looking for the well himself. And that's where she has to finish with him. But I I don't know. That's some power and like becomes like another Lord ruler guy. Yeah. Uh Oh, I mean, I I feel like that one might be a stretch like that. He does find the well because like no one's heard anything about it at all. So I don't know how he would hear about it, but that's it's just something that's bounced around my head as far as long-term stuff with the prophecy and everything else goes a, th- a thought i've had and I'm probably way off the mark but whatever would be around the inquisitors i'm starting to wonder uh if the lord ruler really did create them or if they maybe were around and they kind of swore fealty to the lord ruler but maybe their goal all along has been to bring the deepness back they might be agents mm. like physical physical agents of the deepness and you know when it became apparent the lord ruler was keeping it back they kind of just like buddied up to him sort of to gain his favor he didn't know and then they were just biding their time waiting for an opportunity because we saw how like opportunistic they were to gain more power in the last book yep uh and then uh they and then they eventually you know they've all buggered off we don't know what's happened to them in this book so far and that would sort of lend credit to the fact that Marsh was not completely under the Lord Ruler's control, so he was still acting out, doing other stuff, and he was able to fight against uh, the Lord Ruler at the end there. That might have been them playing a long game. So Marsh might be corrupted by the Spikes, but not for the reasons we think. He's actually feeling the influence of the Inquisitor's like long-term goal, mm. which is to bring back the Deepness. I don't know. I'm just trying to, trying to think outside the box. Maybe they all hear God in their head, because we talked about how... We think Zane does from the spike through his chest yep, right. um, in the cha- in the chapter where he died. So maybe the Inquisitors have a similar thing, like they hear the voice that's driving them to do these things. That would be creepy. They're all hearing crazy God voice and following. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And that's what, but that's why Marsh was looking around at the conventicle and why he's come back to Luthadel. He's looking for the well as well. That was yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Again, this might be a long bow to draw, but got me thinking. I like this. This is some interesting, yeah, some some stuff happening. I mean, to be fair, we know, at least according to Tensoon now, that Lord Ruler did create, like, the Chondra. So he was capable of creating, like, this new species. So maybe it wouldn't be outrageous to think he also created the Inquisitors. But that's an interesting idea that maybe he didn't. Maybe they were already around. Hmm. Or maybe he created them and, like, unbeknownst to him, they were corrupted or they had some ulterior thing going on. Oh. Um, yeah, he, like, he had no idea that when he shoved spikes through their eyes, they would start hearing God. Yeah. I, yeah, I just get the feeling there's a lot... Because we have seen so... Well, we haven't seen any of them aside from Marsh in this book. Like we, But we know that some of them are still out there from all the bodies in the conventicle. Like, there's a lot more to learn about them and what makes them tick. And I don't think it ends at the Lord Ruler. There's got to be something else. Hmm. Okay. You know, that's a, re- that's a really good point, because we know that Zane had some kind of spike in his body, and he was hearing this voice, so since we've never had 
perspective of an Inquisitor, maybe they all hear that voice. Maybe that's why they're so bloodthirsty and they like killing so much. It's because they've got well, a voice in their head constantly telling them to kill. We did get one perspective yeah, very briefly. briefly at the end of yeah. the last book, but we we didn't see anything like that. But we may not. We just may not have had the time. Yeah, we jumped into Carr's head to see Vin's like grand. Oh, that's entrance. right, Carl. Yeah, Carl. Right. <laughs> Him and his wife, uh, Linda, or whatever, and uh, yeah, Karen. The whole thing. Karen. Karen. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's important that it's a Karen, because only a Karen would marry an Inquisitor. <laughs> okay. I'd, yeah. I'd like to speak to the manager. That's the Lord Ruler. That's the Emperor. Yeah, don't. You don't <laughs> want to speak to that. That's young Marilyn Manson. That's <laughs> young Marilyn Manson. Yeah, what did you guys think? Like, did you all watch that, uh, the holiday uh, special? Clearly yeah, Dak did. I loved it. <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't watched it yet. Okay. I, I saw the first couple of pictures worth and then I fell asleep. It was quite late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So it was just, I was going oh, to tell you guys, I said at the beginning of the episode. So like I mentioned in the in the like description stuff that it was like the Colossus head munching day holiday. And that comes from like a quote that Brandon gave where someone was like, Hey, on Skadriel, do they have any like official like holidays? And he jokingly says, like, yeah, yeah, Colossus head munching day. And since then the <laughs> fandom has taken that, and that is now the official name for Brandon's birthday, which is December nineteenth. And every year on his birthday, oh. he puts out the State of the Sanderson address, where he give he gives this big it's a big long thing that he does every year where he talks about this is what i've done this year like this is what i've worked on what i've completed writing wise this is my plan for what i'm going to be doing next year and then he says here's all the projects that i've talked about in the past all the books that i'm writing at some point here's their status like if anything has changed if i've written more of the outline on this or that he talks about this property has been optioned by this studio and we're working on scripts or this property the option lapsed and we have nobody's picked up the option on that one yet. So it's a very, very detailed thing that he does every year about like the status of all of his projects. And That's so, cool. uh, yeah. And people have started calling that Coloss head munching day. And uh, the description that I found online was like, it's when inquisitor Santa rounds up all of the naughty ska and then the coal takes them to the Coloss who proceed to, well, you know, the rest. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, that's the, the unofficial fandom holiday for the winter season. Wait, what, what, what kind of Santa was that? Inquisitor Santa. Oh my God. <laughs> Spike, spiky Santa. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, it's like robot Santa from Futurama, but like 10 times worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> worse than robot Santa. It's true. Okay. Today I have. We got several emails, and also, I think people really took to heart when Joe started handing out titles for the person who left us a review, because several people have left us reviews since then on Apple Podcasts. Uh, they, they all want Joe to make them misting. Oh, oh yeah. Sure, sure. What did I make that guy? I think you made him a thug. Yeah, thug. So I'm going to – since we're recording this one just a couple days before the next episode, so I'm going to do like half and half, half the emails and reviews today, and then we'll do half the emails and the reviews on the other one. So that's just – when when you hear this, guys, if you send an email left a review, we're, we're getting to it. Just uh, – I'm splitting them up a little bit here. So let me pull up the emails first. We got six emails, so that divides evenly. First was Retro Rocket, only one of the six, so, you know. Uh, he says, I just want to say that the fight with Vin and Zane is one of my favorite fights because of the Adium reveal. That's, I guess, when she thought she had Adium and then she didn't, which is a pretty cool reveal, I admit. 
I had chills when I first read her figuring it out and actually had put the book down for a moment because I realized no matter what Zane did, no matter what Adium Shadow, oh, okay, so this is no matter what Adium Shadow he chose, he would have chosen the wrong one. And it's such a cool moment to me. So no, I was wrong. He's talking about when she tricks him and figures out how to get around the Adium, which is a very cool moment. I agree. Yeah. And he says, I really don't know how Data could have seen it as cop out the first time reading. Okay, I'm sorry. I said that. Okay. But yeah, that moment and quote unquote God saying to him that he isn't crazy is what pushes him into a neutral like or for me. So he's saying that he's kind of he doesn't hate him as much as some people because of these things at the end. He isn't a nice guy, but the good feelings I got when I read how Vin beat his adium have made me associate some sort of goodness to him, even if he doesn't deserve it. Uh, yeah, I don't follow that logic at all, but sure. <laughs> So he he got his ass beaten and he wasn't actually crazy. That doesn't make anything he did better. No. Like he's still an awful abusive person who cuts on people when he you know sleeps with them. <laughs> yeah, no, there is no redemption here. There really isn't. He's just awful. It's, yeah, him and Straff both. You're like you guys are awful, awful people, and I don't want a redemption arc for Straff where they make friends with him and fight the Coloss together. Let's not do that. Yeah, God no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, second email is from Nava, who has sent us some emails in the past. She says, Hi, Sa hey, Sander Lanch crew. I've been waiting to write this email ever since Joe made his prediction about Orsor being 10 soon. Unlike the naysayers, I had no doubt that Joe came up with it without reading ahead, and I really like how throughout the episodes he made sure to check how the newest chapters could strengthen or refute his theory. The anticipation to hear Joe and the rest react to the reveal made it so much better. Thank you for that. Hey, thanks, Nava. I appreciate your support. <laughs> it's like somebody's on my side yeah <laughs> if really... it was like that did make that episode one of the best episodes i think no <laughs> i agree it was good joe finally being uh vindicated yep. and there was there was actually a discussion in the in the discord which uh several people have signed up for the discord thank you guys and like joined in and there's been some chatting which honestly when somebody was like start a discord server i was like i'll do it but i really doubt anyone's gonna show up and say anything and i was totally wrong People have been chatting and doing some fun stuff, and there was uh, some talk in there about me calling Joe's uh, Tensoon theory like his volcanoes, and they were <laughs> trying to debate whether I was saying that Joe was the one who originally came up with the volcano theory, and I was misattributing that because it was Dak who came up with that, or what exactly I was saying there. No, so whole... you were you were trying to make me feel stupid <laughs> for my awesome theory. <laughs> Let's, let's be clear here. I've known you for my entire life. You were trying to make me feel stupid. No, I was trying to lead you away from the theory. From my so awesome right. predictions? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Nava says, I really enjoy every single episode. Appreciate you all. Joe, Dak, Jamie, and Data. Looking forward to hearing you finish the book. I'm looking forward to hearing us finish the book also, Nava. Like, I can hardly, I'm glad that we're filming these two so close together because there's so much stuff going on that I'm like, I want to talk about it. This is cool. So I'm excited that we only have two episodes left and all everything's coming out. Everything's coming up, Millhouse. <laughs> <laughs> and the third email for today is from Angela. And Angela says, hi, Sandra Lanch crew. I feel hold honored on, to have on. which one. This is Angela, too. And I okay. was going to get to that because she signs it. Angela, too. <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs> My bad. Thank you. We appreciate that. I feel honored to have a special name with the other Angela, and thank you, Jamie, for dubbing us the Sander Angelas. Uh, now that Tensu Ulster has been revealed, I have a joke that I dog-eared for the occasion. And uh, that's, ha, ha, ha. Is that the joke? That's the one that I put up as our Instagram uh, the other oh, week. I loved it, was it. I loved it. Right so after much. she sent that, oh, since I knew I wouldn't read this email for a while, I was like, I got to get this out there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that, that was, was that so was pretty hard. funny. 
Angela, that that Instagram that I used of, of your meme got like more likes and attention than anything else that we've ever posted. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, that's why look we need all this you, great the listeners and all the cards and the coins and everything yeah. else. Nah, he's the meme. <laughs> yeah. I, after after that, that week, that, I was just like, am I going to have to turn our Instagram into just memes? Because apparently this is what people want. So <laughs> the people what they want. No, I mean, that's why we need you guys, your feedback, your we, we appreciate you listeners because, I mean, yeah, we want you guys to have fun with it. Uh, you're the best. Angela at Angela. You guys are awesome. Sander Angelus. Uh. <laughs> so um, were any of those reviews or are those just emails? No, those were the emails. Oh, okay. Reviews coming okay, up. So now I got to pay attention because I got to come up with, with a misting name for each of these people. So we got – oh, let me refresh this page to make sure no new ones have come in since I did – pulled this up but no we got four reviews and only three of them that you can see on or that we could see on apple Podcasts because it turns out one of them is from canada which is a different apple podcast thing but thanks to Chartable, yeah. i was able to see all four of these so uh first one the first one is from snuffleupagus 03 uh, that is an awesome name right yeah. On, uh, nice. Honestly, one of the ones I'm going to read the next time is my favorite of these names, but yeah, we'll get there. Anyway, Snufflepagus03 says, Must listen. Must listen for Sanderson fans. I've wanted to do a reread of these books for a while and haven't found the time. This podcast is a great way to re-experience the books and get some thoughtful and uh, some thoughtful and interesting commentary along the way. So, thank you, Snufflepagus. <laughs> yeah, for you, <laughs> sir. what you'd say, huh? Yeah, exactly. For you, sir, um... I really appreciated your review. I feel like you're really uh, rioting us, to, rioting listeners to listen. <laughs> so you, sir, are a rioter. Second misting. Good job, Snuffleupagus. I thought you would go for Snuffleupagus and be like, I feel like if Snuffleupagus from Sesame Street <laughs> was, was a, was a, a misting, misting he would, I don't, I don't know where to go be? with that. I have no idea what kind of misting Snuffleupagus would be. <laughs> I feel like he'd have to be like a lurcher or something. Mm, okay, yeah, sure. But no, officially Snuffleupagus 03, oh. you're a rioter. Yeah, he's like he's like he's Snuffleupagus 03. He may not like maybe Snuffleupagus one and two would be different. That's true. They they could be very it's different. Snuffleupagus. I'll say myself out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Snuffleupagus guys. Oh wow, these jokes are getting worse. <laughs> okay, the second one is from Jason, and I believe this is the same Jason who has sent us uh, emails, or uh, Jackson, or... Uh, You're talking about you? Jefferson, right? Yeah, yeah, right. J. Jonah Jameson. J. Jonah Jameson? Yeah. So, uh, it says, Great show. I've been listening to this podcast for a while now, and have sent in more than a few emails. It does a great job of encapturing the thrill of introducing a new friend to the Cosmere, even if you are alone. They also have great interaction with their fans through emails and other sources. Definitely give it a look. If you are looking to sate your Cosmere addiction or just want to get into the books. Yeah. Thank you, J. Jonah James. Yeah, since we always uh, get your name mixed up because, you know, that's our thing now. You, you're going to be a smoker. Oh, that's a good one. That's good. Yeah. Okay. And uh, like I said, there's three more emails and two more reviews, but we're going to save those for next time since we're recording that episode so quickly after this one. Thank you, everyone who is leaving, sending emails and leaving us reviews. These are awesome. We really appreciate all of the input and interaction and positive vibes. I, I, I love getting those. And thank you for everyone who watched and uh, left comments on YouTube and stuff about our insane uh, holiday special with our guests. I, I We talked to them when we played D&D with them on Tuesday, and Matt especially was just like, oh my gosh, this is so great. People appreciate it, and I had so much fun. So they also appreciate but, yeah. the positive. Matt, Matt's a solid fun. dude. Yeah, like, I just, 
on that on that note, it's like it never occurred to me before. They're like, oh yeah, what are they wearing on their feet? But now after <laughs> Poet got so worried about vi- the state of Vin's feet throughout it all, I'm just like, what is she wearing? Like, does she have boots or just like you know little things, or is she barefoot and it's just like in a very dirty world? Because there's think, ash and stuff on her feet. I think early on in the kick her shoes book, off. Yeah, exactly. That they were talk- talked about her being barefoot a couple times. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, and just by the way, I'm all better from COVID. So uh, any any of you guys that sent uh, kind thoughts my way, I appreciate that. But uh, I'm almost back at 100%. Oh, yes. We're happy that Joe is mostly he's, – he's probably ready to pass <laughs> yeah. out right now. But No, I'm, I'm okay. I was also going to say before we head off that – and get you guys feedback because I'm not sure. But one of the comments that we got on the, uh, the YouTube thing was – Hey, is there any chance that you will uplo- upload the normal podcasts to YouTube? And I was like, well, I hadn't really ever intended to because there's not like a video part to them. So it felt kind of pointless. But somebody was like, hey, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. And I actually downloaded a program just because I saw your Reddit post about your show and I wanted to check it out. And so I like to listen to stuff on YouTube and just not have the screen on, listen to like podcasts that I can listen to without watching them. So if that's something people are interested in, I mean, I guess I could do that. It's not really much of a hassle to I'd have all I have to do is like turn a picture into the video part of it and then upload it. So I could do that if that's something people want. I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, if it gets us out there a little bit more, I can't see why not. You know, there's been a little bit of demand for it there. So, I mean, really, the the only thing extra it, it costs is you extra time so yeah i really i really don't mind at all if, if you don't mind doing it okay then i may uh i may look into the best way of uh turning pictures into video video and do that so we've gotten several people who after our yeah. one video sub to our youtube channel so if you guys see a million uploads happening sometime in the next <laughs> couple weeks that's what it is i'm going back and uploading yeah. the old episodes <laughs> So, all that said, remember, for next time, we're doing four chapters, 53 through 56, and there is a lot going on in these chapters, so you might prepare. I, I anticipate we may do a longer episode next time, maybe not as long as the the final set of four is not nearly as long as the, well, I don't say not nearly, it's not quite as long as these next four, but, you know, it wraps up the books, so I expect that we may have some stuff to talk about when we get to the episode after next. But yes, read those four chapters if you're reading along with us, and... Uh, Come back, please, next week for our discussion of things are really re- – I, I keep sa- – I've been saying for a while things are heating up. Things have heated up now. They are hot, and uh, the Sander Lanch is in full swing and is not going to be slowing down anytime soon. So this is where we shine, right? It's the name of our show. This is uh, this is what we're here for, Sander Lanch stuff or something. <laughs> but thank you, everyone, for listening and wasing to the time of next. Easy by Miracle Sand. Damn it, damn it, damn it. (laughs) And we try, try, try to keep a little beauty in the world. All that die, 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 we keep it in our hands. We are the better boys. Never let it fade